All right, welcome back to another episode of the Bible Theory. Thank you so much for joining me again and downloading this podcast. If you have not already, please go ahead and subscribe. I am available on iTunes now and on Google Podcasts, on Spotify. So don't be hesitant to go ahead and share this with your friends and family um, and anywhere with the podcast is available to you. And there's other um, places where I am working out to uh, get myself available and I'll keep you updated. Go ahead and follow me on as well on Twitter at the Chicano Knox. So before we get started, let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word that is true, full of authority, inerrant, holy, inspired, and endless of treasure and wisdom and knowledge and application. So much things in your word that we could just feast on. And feasting is the theme of the show that I want to emphasize, Lord. And I pray that the listener would be awakened, attuned, um, motivated, energized through this to get in your word and start preaching, start teaching, start reaching out. Um, and that this would shed new light, new discussions, and that they will be motivated, empowered, enabled by the Holy Spirit to uh, not only reach their neighbors, um, and but reach their co-workers and reach different people, Father, for your kingdom, for your glory. Enable them through the not through their own strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through them, oozing out of them. And I pray this in the name and the glorious name of King Jesus. Amen. All right, let's go. All right. Thank you so much for joining me again on the seventh episode of the church series. And this one is titled Feeding the Sheep. Yes, Feeding the Sheep. We're going to go in and get into it, talking about, um, you know, preaching, sermon type, all that stuff, you know, and hopefully you're learning a lot. Hopefully, you know, you're, you know, this um, this church series is sparking different um, conversations among your friends and family. Um, So that's the goal. The goal is uh, to uh, spark conversations and curiosity uh, more about the church in general, ecclesiology, because that's what this series is about. And, you know, and I want to focus on the majors about the church in general, not the minors, because I know there's a lot of minor things about the church that I'm not even talking about. And I hope you're not getting irritated because I'm not touching the minors. You know, I'm talking about the major things. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. So in my last um, session, we talked about the centrality of the scriptures and how the and how the scriptures play a very important role in the local church. So in this one, I'm just going to follow up with that and flesh that out just a little bit more um, on feeding the sheep. So if the local church is going to make the Bible essential, that means it's going to have to start feeding the sheep. IG preaching the word. Yeah. So that leads me to my first question. And and it's a legitimate and kind of personal question. Have you ever been to a church 
right, a church where the sermons were too lean on the teachings? Go ahead and answer. <laughs> For me, I would have to say the positive, yes. And of course, you probably have too. Because, newsflash, churches with very little teachings are everywhere. And that is the premise for today for this episode. And I hope to reinforce the last session with following up on how the local church can make the Bible its lifeblood, like I said before. And the way you do that is primarily doing that is preaching the scriptures. Go ahead, start with the text, stay with the text, become text driven and preach the word. All right. Is that simple. But there's a little bit more to that. Hopefully I could get into. May the Holy Spirit empower me. Open my mouth, Lord. Let me speak. All right. So, you know, I first noticed this back in 2007, I think, um, when I was uh, attending faithfully to a local church. And I was being, I was not being properly nourished, spirit, spiritually speaking, of course. So I started to binge watch Johnny Mac, Paul Washer, Vody, Wilkerson, MLJ, and others on YouTube for hours on end. You know, and I used to watch those mixtapes on preaching from these from these awesome preachers, you know, and it was just awesome. So suddenly the sermons on Wednesday night, you know, at my local church were Meek and mild and very slim on the meat and potatoes of the word of God. I just started to notice it. And I was just binge watching on YouTube. Vody and Paul Washer and stuff. You know, Johnny Mac. Then I got myself into Charles Spurgeon books and Johnny Mac books and stuff like that, you know. So John, John MacArthur became my gateway drug to the reform world, I guess. You could say that. But I want to go back to the main topic here. So John 21 verse 17 said, Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. And Paul explains to the elders uh, um, in Ephesus this, and I quote, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith. In the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to what? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Is that all? No, wait, there's more. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of what? People and their deceitful schemes. Boom. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 14. I read the NIV so you won't get all crazy confused. That right there is a beautiful description of what I'm trying to say. And Paul is so poetic yet so prophetic with it. And then again, Paul says later to Timothy or to the Romans, I'm sorry. How will they hear without a preacher? So during the end of his ministry, Paul also exhorts his disciple Timothy which what I wanted to say, um, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. He's talking about preaching the word, teaching the word, right? And that's the first part of that verse. So let me say this. It is imperative that a local church makes preaching 
more valuable than people's opinions. And that's true at any time and age of church history. And unfortunately, the church has not been perfect in this. But let me say that again, because this is this is crazy important. It's imperative that a church makes preaching more valuable than people's opinions. Which leads me to another question, and I hope you're writing this down. Check this out. If your pastor is not preaching, then what is he doing? Good question. Don't answer that. <laughs> but in the modern day, you know, when people, when young people graduate seminary, they become seminary graduates, right? And then they move on and they become senior pastors of some mega church out there, right? And then they are converted into a flashy CEO, you know, the skinny jeans on in a sports jacket. And then they measure their church with three things, more buildings, more bucks, and more bodies. That's unfortunate. Sometimes young people graduate a Bible college or a seminary, same situation, And then they move on to lead a mega church somewhere in the suburbs, right? And then somehow they are expected to behave and talk and teach like a therapist, perhaps. So maybe they're not really CEOs, but they're like more like therapists. And then not, they're not really overhyped on the dogma. You know what I mean? On the doctrine. But they are overhyped therapeutic type teachings you know what i mean they're sensitive and then but overall they're less expensive than a psychologist of course and then sometimes you get some people some young people who basically never graduated a seminary never attended a bible college they just became a pastor because quote unquote he's a nice guy and then you know he's like a comedian You know, his sermons and teachings, basically, you could definitely tell he has no prep in his sermons. Um, he's basically just not serious when dealing with scriptures. You know, he just loves making jokes up there on the pulpit. You know, you know his, his sermons is like lectures. You know, he just likes to make people feel like they're having a good time at church. Like people say, wow, that was a good sermon, man. That was so funny. That was so hilarious. Wow, like I learned so much about Jonah and how funny that was. And I'm sure you experienced that. Now, those are situations that are pretty common and that's unfortunate in the modern church, period. But if your pastor is not preaching, then what, then what is he doing? If your pastor is not preaching, then you are in the wrong church. Let me say that again with boldness. If your pastor is simply not preaching the text of scripture, then you are in the wrong congregation, my Theo bros, my gospel gangsters, my sisters. Listen, and let me give you a disclosure. You know, it's not unbiblical, okay? Don't get me wrong. It's not unbiblical for a pastor to crack a joke, to dress in a fancy suit or, prof or dress professional, or even explain psychology or something like that. It's not. But here's a test. Is it a distraction? Is it intentional? Come on. Think about it. Use your thinking hat. Or is it a bad habit? Is it just a bad habit that he's cracking jokes all the time? And here's another test. Can he be corrected? Right? And I hope he can. And I hope this will. 
And I hope those churches that are these that are becoming these things, I hope they are corrected by the Holy Spirit. But let's say you're saying, hey, Chicano Knox, cool it, buddy, cool it, take it easy. Let's just say you're saying, you know, it's not a mandate to preach, you know, at church. Where does it say that? Well, okay. Why, why don't you tell that to Peter in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, verse 42, I'm sorry. And then why don't you go ahead and tell that to Paul while you're at it in 2 Timothy 4, 2. And here's another question while you're at it. Which one, what is the primary reason why we go to church in the first place? Have you ever thought about that one? Question. That's a good question, right? Honest. Because a lot of people think we go to church for many, several, bunch of reasons, right? Consumer reasons, retail reasons, religious religious reasons. Like, I just need to go to church because God tells me so. Part of it is true, but that's, you know, no. But here's the answer. We go for the word. Here's one of the answers. We go for the word so we could be fed by the word. By the word of God, that is. And you might say, you know, Jesse, or you know what's up? There's no difference between teaching and preaching. Okay? My pastor is teaching and preaching. Or, you know, there's no difference in general. Well, here's another question. So you could chew on. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, that pastor over there is a good preacher, but he's not a good teacher? Let me answer for you. I have. And uh, let me give you a quick two common misconceptions about preaching and teaching. Okay. So people think that preaching, number one, speaks to the heart. That preaching only speaks to the heart. Right. And then another misconception about teaching is that teaching speaks to the mind. You know, and then another misconception. Number two is that preaching is about application. And then teaching is all about information. So those are two misconceptions that I would love to correct for you just real quick. If you give me another 15 minutes. So according to the Bible, teaching and preaching are partners in the ministry. They, they go hand in hand. They're partners. They're related. They're cousins, I guess. You could say that. Stepbrothers. I don't know how you want to say that. They're in the same family. But it doesn't mean that it's the same thing. Okay. So let me go ahead and try not to butcher this Greek word for you. Because this Greek word... Um, for teacher or educator, the Greek word is deraskolos is used like 58 times in the new in the NT New Testament NT. And then the other word preach is a particular Greek word keruso or keruso. <laughs> Sorry, my Greek is terrible. But basically, it means to be a herald or to proclaim, right? It is used like 30, 32 times in the Gospels alone. And they do not mean the same thing. They're close, but separate. And let me give you a couple examples here so you can know that they're close, but separate. And let me read out of the NKJV. All right. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. It says, and I quote, 
Now, it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to what? To teach and to preach in their cities. You see, if they meant the same thing, preaching and teaching, then it would read something like this. And I quote, Now, it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to teach in their cities. See, it does not say to teach and to teach. It says to teach and to preach in their cities. And here's another example. Acts chapter 5, verse 42, the same version of the Bible, NKJV. And I quote, And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as what? The Christ. End quote. You see, teaching and preaching. And then another one real quick. Acts chapter 15, verse 35. First, first you know, another one for you. First Timothy 3, 2. Another one for you, 1 Timothy 5.17, 2 Timothy 4.2. All examples of scriptures that imply a difference, right? They're different. It, it, scriptures imply, the scriptures imply a difference, that they are not the same. So let me go ahead and just say the question that you're probably thinking to yourself right now. So go ahead, ask me. What is the difference? Hey, I'm glad you asked. So let me break it down for you. So number one, preaching is a proclamation. Okay. Number two, teaching is education. It's basically what the word means. Teaching. To be an educator. Right? So basically, they share biblical and theological truths. That's obvious. But the difference lies in the mode and immediate goals. Okay, so the goal, for example, for preaching is invitation and exhortation because you're proclaiming the gospel. So you're, you're inviting people to repent. You're, that's an exhortation. Repent and believe, Peter says. That's preaching. Give your life to Jesus. Jesus is the only name under heaven which any all men will be saved. Right. Invitation. That's the goal for preaching. Now, teaching is different, a little different. And let me, let me see if I can say this. Teaching is, is biblical and theological content presented, obviously, in a more detailed and, and quite systematic way for the purpose of explaining and unpacking complex issues of a certain Bible verse. And, of course, it's taking out the implications is connecting that text of scripture with other texts of scriptures. Okay, so it's a lot lot there what I just said. So in short, preaching is exhorting and, and then it invites. Okay, and then teaching is analyzing and explaining. And I know there's a lot of overlap, but there there's also distinction. And I hope you wrote that down because I'm not going to repeat it. So real quick. This is what I mean when I said earlier that if a pastor is either lean or heavy on the meat and potatoes, it's either he's preaching way too much, he's inviting way too much and exhorting way too much and not teaching enough. That's what I mean. Too much preaching and not enough teaching. Preaching, teaching, they go hand in hand. 
There's distinctions. There's a lot of overlap. But teaching is primarily the goal. It's primarily what needs to happen, okay, on the pulpit. It's both biblical and theological. Detailed, systematic. Explaining, unpacking. Okay, it's complex, but yes, it's connecting the dots for you. Okay, and I hope to bring this out a little bit later, but let's go ahead and ask. Let me ask you another question real quick. While you're thinking on this topic, how do you know if your pastor is is serving up a lot of the meat and potatoes? Hmm? Well, the answer is, of course, it depends. Depends on what? Well, it depends on what type of sermon he's preaching. And of course, this leads to like other issues, like, you know, other topics, I guess, but it's related. Okay. I promise. So after much study and reading, there's only three types of sermons in the world. There's one topical, two textual, three expository. Go ahead and give me five minutes. Let me try to break this down as easy as I can from eyebrow to eyebrow level. All right, so let's start off with textual. So how do you know if your pastor is preaching textual? Well, check this out. So basically, textual is unfolding the Bible by one verse or one topic or more topics at a time. That's how you know it's textual. So basically, he's dividing the text, dividing the scriptures, and then he's using that text to give you an outline, right? That topic is providing the outline from that text. And then the pastor fills in the details as best as, as he thinks. So there's all obviously pros and cons to everything. So I think the pros, let me give you two of them real quick. Because I could give you a hundred of them of each. But let me give you two of those. Two pros, two cons if I can. So the pros is you move through the Bible fast, like quickly. You move through whole books, whole sections of the Bible very quickly based on topics, right? You could preach on Jonah, boom, you're done. You could preach on Jesus' baptism, boom, you're done. That's the pro about preaching textual because it's so quick and easy, right? And then another pro is that you are more engaged, right? The audience, the congregants, the members of the church is sticking with the pastor step by step, hip by hip, foot by foot. The the congregants is staying with him, keeping upbeat, up, upbeat with him because the congregants is engaged with, you know, obviously the hot topics in the Bible. So they're zoomed in on an issue. So... It's difficult to like disengage from being textual. So the cons, here's the cons. The cons is that it skips on huge parts of the Bible. It does. So it skips on huge sections. So obviously you're focusing on, you know, Jonah, but you're not focusing on the, you know, historical part of Jonah, maybe. That's what I mean. So you're focusing on the topic of Jonah, for example, but you're not really focusing on the historical original meaning of the book of Jonah, its original intent. So you're just focusing on a certain issue or a certain topic that you're trying to relate to the book of Jonah. So that's one of the cons. So you're kind of losing the big picture when you're preaching textual. 
Um, another con that I thought about is that, you know, it relates to the first one. It, it kind of minimizes the very, you know, some essentials of the Bible. Like, you know, the Trinity, you know, other teachings and big, you know, doctrines of the Bible. Like the attributes of God that is found in the book of Jonah. So it's failing to to unpack the comprehensive, you know, uh, other other huge topics of the Bible. For, for example, when you're preaching on the book of Jonah. And he, here's the second type of, of sermon. Um, topical. That's the second one. Topical sermons. Very popular in the modern day. Um, but what that means is, how do you know if, you're, if your pastor is a topical guy? Is this. He's basically unfolding a topic or a subject. Very popular um, especially when you go to Bible conferences, every speaker, every keynote has a topic, right? Or maybe the conference is based on a topic like the Reformation or like heresy or like hermeneutics. Those are topics like what I'm doing right now. Church, um, the church series, ecclesiology is a topic. So basically what it is, is dividing the text, the scripture, and then the text provides the outline, the outline of the sermon. Same thing like textual. Every type of sermon does that. So, and then the pastor basically fills in the details as he thinks best. And then here's the pro. There's a couple pros. So one of the pros is that he moves through the Bible really fast. Just like the last, like textual. So he's moving the Bible really quick like a ninja. Pa, pa, pa. You know? And then you stay relevant. When you do that, you're staying relevant. You never go out of fashion. You're never out of tune. You're never out of touch. You're never irrelevant with the modern culture, with modern issues. So if there's a huge protest downtown, boom, you're on it. You're going to be talking about protests and speaking out loud or whatever. So topical, it's the, probably the best way to stay relevant with the modern day. Um, which leads to the cons. The cons is that it's very easy for you to become irrelevant to the historical times of what the act of what the original meaning of the text was intended for. Its audience. You kind of you forget the original audience, and it happens a lot when people read apocalyptic literature, like the Book of Revelations. They you know they forget that. That the Apostle John wrote that for an actual audience in the first century. Not just for future people like us. So it's like, forget those guys. It's all about us in the 21st century. Forget the first century. So, you know, that's one of the cons. Another con is that you skip major parts of the Bible as well. You know, you skip other books. You skip major themes because you're so focused on that subject. And then... Basically, you never. One of the biggest cons that gets me with topical pre, um, sermons is that you never know what's going to come next. You know what I mean? So one day the preacher feels like he's all, you know, he's all hyped about the gospel, and then he's going to be preaching about, you know, evangelism. And then the next day he's all sad, and then he's going to be talking about depression, <laughs> you know, and like you know the Book of Job or something like that. So you never know what. what you know, what's going to come down the pipeline, I guess. And then number three is ex ex expository preaching. And it's one of the most common preaching styles there is in a sermon. Probably the most profound 
most most common place in most reformed churches, I guess. Okay, so basically what it is is it's unfolding the idea of the text. So obviously it divides the text and then provides the points. The text provides the points of the outline of the sermon. But the details is not filled in as the preacher thinks best. Instead, the text provides the, the details for the sermon. So basically it leans heavily on the context for meaning and application rather than, you know, whatever this, you know, the preacher might feel. Okay, or whatever's going on relevant in the culture. Um, so in his book, and I found this kind of helpful as I was reading in his book um, by Mark Dever, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. He says this. The first mark of a healthy church is exp- expository preaching. It is not the only it's not only the first mark. It is far and away the most important of them all, because if you get this one right, all others should follow. Okay, end quote. And then he goes on to say, as a preacher should have his mind increasingly, increasingly shaped by the scriptures, he shouldn't just use the scripture as an as an excuse for what he already knows he wants to say. Okay. So when basically he's trying to explain like people coming to the scriptures with their thoughts already in mind, you know, they're bringing their thoughts to the scriptures, their ideas to the scriptures. And then he goes on when that happens, basically when that happens, it, when that happens regularly, that's what he's trying to say. Um, preaching that way, basically regularly, that is not expository preaching. Basically, he's trying to say the sermon tends to be only on topics that interest the preacher only. The result is that the preacher and the congregation only hear what they want to hear in scripture. Basically what they already thought when they came to that text, basically. So there's nothing new being added to their understanding they're not being continually challenged by the Bible. End quote. So almost anyone can close their eyes and choose a text and then preach whatever they feel like on that day. But only a few can can break it down can break down a text, right? And then get and not get off topic while standing in between two worlds, one in the ancient world and the other in the modern world, while not losing both. You get that? And let me end it with this. So back in 1969, somebody asked MLJ, they asked him this. They told him, what is preaching? And then MLJ responded, it is logic on fire. Amazing, amazing. And and I'll leave it there. And I hopefully this would encourage you to stay tuned for the next one because you know my time's up, my Theo Bros, my shield my Sheologians. I gotta go. But please continue to share Bible theory with as many as you can because this is basically impossible without your continued prayers and support. 
And I appreciate all the love, but go ahead and give love ultimately to to God above, to Jesus Christ. All right, I'll leave it there. Soli Deo Gloria.